Welcome to the Delta Flyers. I'm your host, Garrett Wong. My co-host is Robert Duncan McNeil. Join us as we journey through episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Robbie, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Look at look at me. I'm on the bridge. You're I'm sitting kind of near, for those that are just listening to this, I've got the a big photo of the Voyager bridge behind me, and I'm lining myself up right down front where Tom Paris sat. You're at the con, man. Seven You're years. At the con. That's oh, right. I love it. I I'm love at the it. Con. Ah, oh, the memories of the bridge. Yeah, a lot of fun times. Although the color of the carpet is a little bit off, so that I, might yeah, be. This, yeah, this photograph is is fading because it's old, like us, Garrett. Yes. <laughs> okay. Hey, a couple of things I want to bring up. Um, yes. First of all, I had a dream that you were in my dream about oh. uh, probably about three or four days ago. And yeah. you were, I was walking past you and this is the craziest thing. You were in a wheelchair and I, <laughs> I poked you, I poked you in the chest. I went, yes. boop, and I made this sound. I went boop, like that. And then yep. you didn't say anything to me and you just ignored me and you kept Aww. going on in your wheelchair. So I don't know what that's all about. No, I was really bizarre. So that's um, funny. Well, I just saw this funny thing this morning. Um, it was a Twitter account called the Brimley Cocoon Line. And what it is, is when Wilford Brimley made the movie Cocoon, yes, or when it was released, Wilford Brimley was like, you know, this was a this was a movie, by the way, about like old people who are, you know, one foot in the door to death, like they're yeah. gonna die. And then the the alien egg shows up and all this yeah. adventure starts with the old, old, super old people, right? Yeah. That great was movie, by the way. I great love movie, movie, Cocoon. Mm -hmm. Well, Wilford Brimley was only like 51 years old or something when he made this oh movie. God, was, younger than both of us. Yeah, I've exactly. So this Twitter account basically like finds people and their birthday when they hit the point where they're passing the, the Brimley Cocoon line where... <laughs> the age he was and it shows photos of them like okay so you know uh whoever passed the brimley cocoon line and here's them at that moment and here's wilford brimley looking like an old guy and they don't look old it's crazy it's funny it's a funny twitter so, account I highly recommend okay cocoon line give me the twitter address for this it, it is i think it's the wilford brimley cocoon line is it that long i'm gonna look it up right now it's uh, okay you look it up this is the the twitter is at brimley line so it's at B okay at brimley line all right yeah b-r-b-r-i-m-l-e-y-l-i-n-e -E -E. when cocoon reached the theaters on june 21st 1985 wilford brimley was 18,530 days old this account makes <laughs> note of people who have reached that age and uh here we have nick offerman and a photo of him uh let's see sean hayes has passed the brimley cocoon line Robbie Duncan McNeil has passed the Brimley Cocoon line. Uh, who else is in here? It's funny. It's just funny. Yeah, people have to go and look at it. I, I want to get it. on this Twitter. I want them to put me that I have passed the Brimley Cocoon line. Oh, my God. Ooh, okay, enough about what That's some Brimley. funny stuff. Okay, the other thing I wanted to bring up. We had some comments about the famous Harry Kim line, like a snake through the tube. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. Um, 
I have a friend who's a big fan of Star Trek, Kira. Yes. And Kira is a basically a shark biologist and just a biologist. And so they know a lot about uh, snakes and tubes. <laughs> snakes and, yeah. And Kira was talking about, well, yeah, snakes, you know, you, they can go into tubes. One of our admirals, Anna, said, it's a plumbing, it's a plumbing term, as in the snaking, oh. you know, and I thought, I've never thought of it as a plumbing term. And this really, really Whoa, sort of- Changes um, the whole game. I would just want to say, interpret it as you will. Although this leads us to bathroom on, on the ship conversations there, and all of that. <laughs> uh, I was just talking about NASA, real, real astronauts. Yeah. There are vacuums for the, the biological processes that have to happen for the male and female astronauts up in the space lab and things like that. And they have, I guess, like vacuum tubes that help them use the bathroom up at space lab and or the international space station um, and uh, space lab. I'm dating myself. That was like an old <laughs> term for the original <laughs> space lab. It's the international space station people, please. Yeah. Robert Picardo was going to be very angry at me with the planetary society and using the wrong terms. Anyway, <laughs> vacuums for for peeing and pooping so uh yeah. i don't know what we did on voyager i assume yeah it was closer to plumbing i hope than a vacuum device that we had to use but um, right well also in the story moment we were trying to sneak through smoothly and not yeah, detected like a, yes but interpret it as you will that's the interpret of as you will anna yes. you're right kira you're right as well okay all right so this week's episode yes remember that's the name of it. Remember, I, I was, I was. <laughs> You're waiting for the next I was part. Stunned. I was like, I don't remember. Let's go watch this episode. Let's see what we remember about remember. Um, we'll be right back, guys. Thanks. All right, guys, we're back from watching Remember. Boy, mm -hmm. oh boy, oh boy, boy, oh boy, oh. Can I first bring up some fun facts that Megan found? Yes, you can. Yeah, you can start facts. wherever you want. Fun facts. Fun facts. This episode was conceived as a Deanna Troy episode for Star Trek The Next Generation. Really? Joe Minoski, yes, the co-writer of the episode's story, recalled that that episode was actually a next-gen story that Brandon and I came up with a long time ago, and it was going to be a Troy story. Lisa Klink took it over and reworked it and made it a Voyager episode. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to talk to Lisa Clink for we our will. Patreon patrons. We're going to get Lisa's coming on um, after this to talk with us about that process. But I got to say, like, it's funny you say that. I'm, I know a lot of stories on our show came from next gen nuggets that never got made or were mm -hmm. kind of reinterpretations. Yeah. But I also was thinking as we watched this, like, there's obviously a lot of like Holocaust. Yes. terrible metaphor for sure. for sure stories that we've done and i find that that's like a often a go-to but what i think is so you know it's it's an easy way to to sort of put this in a category mm -hmm. but yet it's so much it's also you know what's great about star trek episodes is they can relate to all kinds of experiences like uh, apartheid in south africa and and yeah. the truth and reconciliation yes. commissions in um rwanda Yes. with the Rwandan genocide and all kinds of, you know, this story of bigotry, genocide, um, mm -hmm. horrible 
memories that get repressed, stories that people just don't want to talk about. Mm -hmm. I mean, in here in America, with our you know expansion west and Native American history and and the indigenous people of North America, how horrible that was. Agreed. Like, there's so many. Yeah. So I, I guess what I'm saying is like I immediately um, thought about a Holocaust metaphor. I think as I was googling around a little, yeah. I read some of that. But yeah. I just want to expand our vocabulary on some of these parables mm. that we tell, and they can be um, they can be used for all kinds of things. The other fun fact was this episode was meant as a parable to the Holocaust. Okay, oh, interesting. Fun fact. fun fact number three. Fun fact Eve number three. Brenner. Yes. Eve Brenner, who played Jorah Morell. Also guest starred in Star Trek The Next Generation, the episode is called Violations. And in that episode, it also featured a species with telepathic abilities being able to manipulate the memories of others. So wow, she already did an episode like I got to say something about Eve Brenner. Mm -hmm. Eve Brenner, I, I'm gonna, I may look this up right now. I swear I worked with her on something else. And I don't know if okay. it was called second chances that was on cbs for a while back in the early 90s i feel like eve brenner may have been in that show with me but i acted in a show with her on another series i just can't place it maybe the fans will find that wow out. robbie yes haikumi i will totally haiku you right now <laughs> here we go haiku for i remember. dare you i dare you to haiku me watch this here we go dreams or memories Balana discovers the truth, chooses to remember. Bam! Ah, there you go. yeah. There's bam, our haiku. Bam. Okay. Bam, bam for uh, bam, bam, bam. Here's my limerick for the episode. Remember, while escorting Anarans back home, Balana dreams memories alone. Regressives are shunned, but no one is bummed. Their true fate, none would ever condone. Oh, 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 Are you raising the roof for me? I was raising the roof, yeah. I spent more time on that one, actually. Yeah, that was good. I'm happy. I like that. That was good. Nice rhythm to it. It was fun. It was, yeah. I love a limerick. What's happening? Teleplay by Lisa Klink, who, again, we will talk about this episode today. Yes. And story, Brandon Brog and Joe Minoski, as you said, came, that's very cool, came off of a, Mm-hmm. A story from Next Gen that never got made. Mm-hmm. Directed yep. by Rick Colby. Vinrish Colby. Colby. I will yeah. say I uh, didn't even know who directed it, but before the director credit came up, I was like, this is well directed. Out of the gate was very well directed. Rick always had a good sense of lenses and composition and staging, and it just yeah. always kept things... Um, dramatic and moving yeah. moving and kept the frame interesting mm-hmm. and cinematic mm-hmm. even in simple scenes i give a big yeah. uh 10 out of 10 for rick's directing of this episode i thought he did a great job the delta flyer stamp of, of approval for directing goes yes. to rick colby rick over colby. and over again yes yeah good job very very All right. talented and he was dating uh kate at this point yes he was kate he, uh, and rick he romanced colby. yeah mm-hmm. they, they were officially kate dating McGrew. Yep. Yes. Let's start with Look at that little look at that look at oh, that little boy. that little flirty glance that Harry has right there, right? I had to stop and go back. I'm like, seriously? What a creeper from like 50 feet away. You're like you are just like wow wow wow. Like, I, I, all about I just, it. 
I just smiled at it, Robbie. Is, is it a crime to smile at another person? It is not a crime okay. to smile at a pretty alien. All right. No, it was just okay. funny. It was just like all of a sudden the rack focus lens across the room and there's Harry creeping from 50 feet. And then he comes over, doesn't even look at Bellana the whole scene. And she's like, sure, you guys go on to dinner without, because you're like, I guess it'll just be the three of us. Awkward, awkward. Yeah. Go on without me. And you guys are out of there before she even finishes the sentence. <laughs> Very funny. Okay, what I wrote down about this scene, Harry has a crush on Jessen, clearly. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, but what's comical to me is the Anarans are sharing their conservation technology with us, but yet they don't even have warp capabilities. So it's like, how much really can they share with us technologically if they don't yeah, even that's have interesting. warp? It is interesting, although this idea of them sharing some technology fits into the narrative we, we learn later that, that yes. there was sort of this technological divide in their culture, that the people, yes. the regressives, ultimately we yes. learn, the regressives want to stay more, more kind of uh, traditional, and mm -hmm. the, the new wave wants technology, you know, uh, yeah. technology advances, and that's, that's really the divide. Uh, as we learn in the story. Yeah. So. Did you notice, Robbie, the change in Roxanne's voice? When she was playing um, uh, Jorah? No, this is in, when she's talking to Jorah, this is still the opening scene in, in engineering. This is still the opening scene. Yeah. Um, Jessen says, maybe Harry could give us a hand. And Taurus says, well, I'm sure he would if you asked him. Just in that phrase alone, it became very, it took on the same quality as Jor Morell's elderly voice. It was, so Torres was sort of speaking like, well, I'm sure he would if you asked him. It's really? Just really? Yes. It's this well, very like, it's that. really weird. And it, like for me, if I'm in a taxi cab and the taxi cab driver happens to be from the one of the former Soviet republics, I will right. start speaking in a Russian accent because that's what happens. If I'm in England, I start speaking kind of with a British accent. In Germany, I start speaking with a German accent. You know? I think you and I both do that because we moved around a lot as children. I do the same thing. If I go to New York, I start having a New York accent with a cab yeah. driver. Same exact thing. Yeah. And I think it's because you and I both, as kids, we were moving all, all to different parts of the the world, different yeah. cultures. Yeah, we had to blend it. We had to fit in quickly. So that's funny that yeah. you say that. And, and maybe, maybe the same with Roxanne maybe Dawson. With Roxanne, you know, she moved yeah. around a bit too. I'm guessing. And it's just to me, I was like, wow, this is so not a Torres sounding voice. And it's just for that one line in that scene. Yeah. Every other line she has in that opening scene is normal Torres. You know, so interesting. Um, that's one thing I picked up on. Yes, let's move on to the next scene. Please. Well, we move on to Torres is in bed sleeping yes. or we think she's we don't know where she is exactly but she jumps up with a knock on the door and uh she's in this flowy chiffon sort of very uh romancy uh outfit yeah. Yeah. and basically we go into this vivid sex moment which is very mm. unusual for star trek generally but it was mm. definitely a very it passionate went on. it was very passionate yeah. you know yeah and by the way uh Charles Esten, Chip Esten, who uh, is an actor, was that guest star playing Dathan? Dathan, Dathan, Dathan right? Like Nathan with a D. Dathan, uh, mm -hmm. Ch uh, Chip Esten, or Charles Esten, became very famous on Nashville series. Um, he's currently, I think, doing a show called Outer Banks on Netflix. He's a friend of a friend. I've met um, I've met Chip a number of times. And, oh, great. Uh, and I had forgotten that he was in this show. He's gone on. <laughs> He's gone on to a great country music career. He's got a big yeah. following because of Nashville. He became one of the replacements on 
whose line is it anyway doing comedy improv he's a very talented what? yeah he's no very way. talented actor wow um i think he started as a theater actor doing the the national tour of buddy the buddy holly musical uh oh, chip, chip Eston yeah. has done a ton of ton of great work super talented mm -hmm. i forgot he was in this episode and did a great wow. job and super in shape too you could see he had oh, the he gym super, body going on totally yeah. had the gym Very body going fit. on yeah. and that yeah. those kind of scenes are hard because i thought it was beautifully sort of pushed in and you see um you know as as balana is taking off her you know clothes or they're both getting un undressed Mm -hmm. It was shot in a very sensual and passionate way, but not exploitative Yet tasteful. Yes. Yet very tasteful. Sensual, passionate, tasteful. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was beautifully done. Mm -hmm. um, well, she wakes up out of this dream. And now we see we're in Bolana's quarters. And look at the color of her neon lighting. Everyone has a different neon lighting what color scheme. What was her color? Was she blue? Hers is Klingon red. It was oh, like that's Klingon, right. you know, and her even her nightgown is red. Like everything has that red, yeah. Klingon red insignia color, right? So I thought that was interesting. Chakotay is uh, kind Wakes of berating her. her. Yeah. yeah uh, I, again, I thought that scene was great. Upside down shots. Um, yeah. It's funny because one of my first episodes of Dawson's Creek that I directed, I did an upside down shot and I didn't remember seeing this uh, shot in, in with Rick Colby, but mm -hmm. I, it could have, you know, it could have stuck in my head somewhere and, and, and that memory. And, uh, and I, I shot a similar kind of upside down shot with someone waking up before too. Anyway. Yeah. Chakotay wakes, wakes her up. Uh, yep. um, she runs out uh, she's apologizing in the next act and talking to Chakotay, mm -hmm. but she starts confiding in him. Very intimate, yeah. you know, uh, sharing, oversharing almost yeah. uh, about her sex dream. I love the quote. She said, yeah, the most sensual dreams I've ever had in yeah. my life. Yeah. Were you kind of jealous? Because it wasn't about you. It was What's about funny? somebody else. It mm -hmm. wasn't about Tommy. I know. No, I'm not really <laughs> jealous. I was... I'll tell you what I was jealous about is as she was telling him, she was like titillated and they were flirty about, you know, yeah. he was smiling like, oh, yes. Yes. it was a yes. lot of, I mean, maybe at that point they were still thinking about Chicote and Torres as a couple. I think they, they definitely thought about that in the first few seasons. That was definitely the, the most likely pair. Yeah, those, those two. That would make in sense. In my opinion, exactly right. And then the second most likely pair was Kim and Torres, but then we won't we won't go into that. Yes. Yeah, right so okay. So meanwhile, Neelix has shut off the mess hall and turned the mess hall into Anara. The colors of Anara. Uh, yes. There's an Anara themed party going on. I love that music. I love that music. Very spa like. Very. I don't know. I just it spoke to me. That music was good. I loved our suits. I thought our suits were nice. I, I love the moment where Neelix offers us algae puffs and I take <laughs> one and I don't know if you noticed my face after I I was tasting it and just kind of walking out of frame. I was like, I couldn't tell if I really liked it or if it was disgusting, but the Anarin algae puffs definitely, <laughs> uh, you know, made an impact on Tom Paris. That's for sure. Do you remember that wardrobe, that piece of wardrobe that Vaguely. you wore? Yeah, okay. vaguely. I, I remember that suit, definitely. Because really? I, I, yeah, because I was, it was so funky because it just, it connected up top and it just opened up, you know? Right. So there were, there were no buttons along the torso. It was just at the neck. And I remember the collar. I remember that wearing that suit and I, I liked it because let's face it, we're always wearing the same Starfleet uniform in every damn episode. So yeah. to be able to wear something different, 
is a dream come true, you know? Um, mm. And so I, I just, oh my God, I just love it. I, I really love that suit. Um, I think Harry's hair looks fabulous in this episode as well. Yeah, your hair uh, looked good. I thought Tom's hair looked pretty good, if I do say so myself. It did, it did. Tom's hair did look good. Well, I, the one thing in this scene that made me very uncomfortable was when uh, the, the Anaran leader, Jor, was playing the instrument. And mm. he was sort of caressing this large orb. <laughs> and it was playing music. That sounds and we naughty. Pushing, well, look at the clip. We're pushing in slowly as, you know, Janeway's feeling so moved. And we've come yeah. out of... And, and we're pushing in and the, just the way he's caressing that orb instrument, I just found it very awkward. I gotta be honest, I found it okay. awkward. And then when Janeway's like, give me a chance. I'm like, oh God, no. Oh God, she's gonna caress the orb. <laughs> and she does. And he sort of telepathically shows her how to play. My notes regarding that particular scene mm. is that they impart, they telepathically impart this music knowledge using the psychic palm is what I've labeled it, mm -hmm. or the psychic Heisman. I'm gonna put a little football in here. The psychic oh boy. Heisman, because the hand always, goes like Always getting the football right. in. And right off the bat, Janeway knows exactly how to play this thing like an expert, yeah. but but it's too powerful almost. It, it, she's almost like backing away like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, it mm -hmm. became almost a, almost a me, too mo uh, me too moment of like, wait a minute. You've just too, kind of, yeah, a little too, yeah, much, too much, right? At the end of the scene, I, I laughed out loud when Chakotay says, uh, someone says, where's Bellana? Why isn't she at the party? And Chakotay says with a smile, I think she might've gone to bed early tonight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed out loud. Thought that That's was true. funny. That's true. Hey, did you also, after the cheese puffs, uh, sorry, the algae puff scene, yeah. did you notice that wacky smile that e John Ethan gave to the camera? as well yep, he did yeah. this goofy like just what's that yeah it's just a little bizarre so there's a lot of laughs and little inside jokes i guess going on right now uh, she has another dream um mm. and we we meet her father who's kind of you know reprimanding her for meeting this boy yes and can i just can i interrupt you for one second to talk about the character of jareth played by bruce davison yeah um i <laughs> i didn't realize that bruce was the guest star in this episode and I saw him and I was like oh my gosh and Bruce Davison for people that don't know he has he's had a very long distinguished career stage tv film um, on stage he was in the elephant man the glass menagerie so some some really you know heavy hardcore plays that he's mm -hmm. been part of I got a huge kick out of seeing Bruce so in this in this flashback the one moment I thought was very strange is is he starts to leave, Bruce starts to leave and, and he turns back, he says, don't don't forget to uh, drink your Terran juice. And and she she picks it up and then he looks back again and she drinks it. And I was like, yeah. what's in the fricking Terran juice? Like <laughs> Rebecca said, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid. Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't know if the Terran juice ever came back as a element. Like I thought that oh. was gonna be a, a thing like, oh, you're brainwashing, but yeah. I don't know. So you thought it was some type of drug uh, that was put in the Terran juice, you know, yeah. to control her? 
Yeah. yeah, something like I thought that's where it was going to go, and it didn't really. It, if that's true, and you, they never really answered that question, but anyway, no, and but I think you thought that because of the emphasis that Bruce put into that line, you yeah. know what I'm saying? There was yeah. there was that sort of undercurrent of like, hey, don't forget to drink your tarantula. Like if he just threw that line away, I don't think we really would think that anything other well, than that, right? It, I thought it was going to be some kind of poison or drug, mm -hmm. but I think it's even simpler than that. It's just, it was establishing this sort of control that her father had over her. Correct. He wanted her to drink what he said to drink, yeah. eat what he said to eat, think mm -hmm. the way he said she should think. And ultimately yeah. that was the story. Yeah. Um, but the boy comes back in, they embrace, and all of a sudden his skin turns this horrible, you know, burned color and melted face, melted face, burned face. That's how that, that, that dream ends there. She talks to, to Chakotay about this, just describes how real it all felt, how, you know, she's really yeah. upset by this and it just, she's never had anything like it. And he says, you know, why don't you talk to the Anarans? Did you make note of anything about his quarters? I wrote down, whoa, Chakotay's quarters, question mark, question mark, because I don't think we've ever been in his quarters before. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember them yeah. at all. Because the first thing I see is this, this crazy wall decoration, which looks like the Native American version of Captain America's shield is sitting on the wall. And then he's got a desk there. And I'm like thinking, oh, when have we ever been in this office? Yeah. I don't think we've seen it before, you know? So- First time in Chicote's office. Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, Torres heads out uh, from Chicote, and she's walking down in the in the uh, corridor, and she has one of these dreams now. Not while she's sleeping, but it catches her in the middle of walking. A waking dream, in a way. Right? Yeah, a lucid yeah. dream sort of situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this this time uh, it is a, a, a kind of an award ceremony, and so Jareth, her father, gives her an award. Yep. Um, at the ceremony and inspires, gives an inspiring speech to all these young people mm -hmm. who are all sort of dressed in sort of uniform style. They're sort of um, rallying the youth toward the future. There's a, mm. there's a, definitely a bit of a World War II sort of Hitler youth, Hitler yes. youth kind of vibe going on mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. And uh, Bellana sneaks over to a, to a corridor and, um, and has a secret conversation with her, her lover. I, what I enjoyed about this scene is that, you know, because Torres is basically reliving somebody else's memories, mm -hmm. she can act completely opposite of what, how Torres acts yeah. on Voyager. Yeah. And she is truly playing the giddy high school girl. I mean, just kind yeah. of just prancing around, which is really nice to see this different side of, uh, of Roxanne's acting abilities. Yeah. So. Roxanne was playing this very sort of sweet, innocent, and young, very youthful um, character. Yes. Um, and yes. I thought she did a beautiful job. I mean, I, if I haven't said she that did a already, great job. like overall Roxanne's performance in this is just really phenomenal. Yeah. And what uh, the punctuation or the end of this, this dream memory, um, Dathan gives the psychic palm, but the sensual psychic palm to Karenna so that mm -hmm. she can feel, you know, what they've been doing in the past. And then that ends that scene. Yeah. Uh, we move to engineering and Kess finds out that uh, Bellana has passed out on the floor in the corridor yeah. near engineering. So then she has to be taken to sick bay where we meet the doctor and we see that the doctor has discovered that the implanted memories in Torres is uh, subconscious Mm -hmm. are basically affecting her. The uh, synaptic patterns of the implanted memories are not quite compatible with her neural pathways. So there's been some minor cortical damage, 
which the doctor corrected. So then he has an inhibitor to control her theta wave activity, mm -hmm. which would then uh, suppress her memories. So this is what they attach to her. Yeah, the cortical inhibitor that he puts on her looks an awful lot like a mobile a holographic emitter that the doctor wears later in the third series. <laughs> yeah, it's a round little prop. I wonder I wonder how often they used the same props and just sort of changed a couple Redressed of it a little bit. I, I mean, I know we did that quite often, yeah. but that definitely looked like the uh, very much like the mobile emitter that became such a You know what, Robbie, we need to get we need to get some of these props guys that we worked with oh, yeah. as a guest on the show, you know, like John Nestowitz or Alan. Alan. Yeah. Any of these guys would be wonderful to just chat with a little bit. Right. Yeah. It'd be nice for sure. That would be great. Yeah. And those guys are mm -hmm. the props department here. They were on the next generation and on the next gen. Some of those props department people had come from like the original series in the movies and things. Yeah. Like they That's right. Have deep, deep ties to track for sure. Definitely. Um, the next scene, we're in the mess hall, and there's a conversation between Jor Brell, Janeway, Tuvok, mm -hmm. and Torres. And Brell's basically sort of discounting, or he's trying to say, certain aliens have picked up on our psychic field, and they'll bit get, maybe she's just getting bits pieces. and pieces of yeah, everybody's pieces. Yeah, yeah. collective memories, right? So he's just, you know, he's shrugging it off. Torres doesn't believe this. She's too... Uh, She's, she feels it, that she can feel that it's so real that it, she's not really convinced by Jor Brell's argument um, to, the fact, to the point that she goes back to her quarters and removes the inhibitor, she does. takes it off, you know, right? Yeah. Um, did you see that small statue in her quarters right no. before she removed? It's a little statue there that looks like a cross section of a human brain. Oh, <laughs> it's like just so bizarre. I'm like, what, what is that? So anyway, so that's interesting because it, it's a cool little detail for this episode, but I don't know why Balana would have that in her quarters generally. Yeah. Okay, so her next dream. Um, uh, there, It's the resettlement of the regressives to a new colony. They're mm -hmm. being called by name to get onto a transport. And did you notice who the first regressive was that, that you see on camera when they call Oh, it was Pablo, wasn't it? Yeah, Pablo Soriano. Pablo. One of our longtime background actors, Pablo Soriano. Pablo also did, wasn't pa didn't Pablo do stand-in Stand, work for- Stand-in for-, for Yeah, probably Chakotay, right? Yeah, I think for Chakotay, he was Chakotay's mm -hmm. stand-in. It was either Richard Starstead who did the stand-in for Chakotay or sometimes or Pablo. Pablo. Yeah. yeah. Oh but yeah, Pablo pa was the Pablo first was the first regressive checking out. <laughs> I know. He's still yeah. doing it. I see Pablo's face in commercials and all kinds of things. Pablo was awesome. Yeah. And I, you know, it's interesting because I didn't know, I didn't understand how Torres knew that it was Jora Morel until I realized, oh. The scar. The scar, yeah, yes. Immediately <laughs> I got that. Uh-huh. Yeah. But then you would think if they are an advanced culture, they would have a dermal regenerator that would probably not leave a scar like that. Yeah, that's so true. They had, to, they had to keep that in there for the story, um, which mm -hmm. really doesn't make sense in terms of how advanced these people are but hey for the story you got to have the scar um torres finds her on the floor in her quarters and um we realize that because this information was given to jor brell in the earlier scene jor brell is really the run, one who responsible for jora morell's death mm -hmm. they cover it up somehow but but she does give the rest of the memories to balana she says um you know don't let these memories die please promise yeah. me that they yeah. can't deny the truth 
Um, very powerful. You know, this story of sort of dividing people and yeah. manipulating. We're about to get into a scene where the father completely manipulates her feelings of love for this young man and manipulates it and uses that as a, against her mm-hmm. to, to turn her, uh, you know, against these people with based on lies, based, yeah. based on uh, untruths, based on exploiting yeah. someone's love or fear or, or relationship, you know, exploiting his relationship as her father, exploiting that relationship to twist her mind around is just horrible. And we see that happen over and over again. This scene in Corinna's bedroom. Yeah. This scene in Corinna's bedroom is so powerful because Jareth, Bruce Davison, really, he starts out, you know, with a certain amount of volume in his voice is definitely, it's louder in the beginning, but then as his argument goes on, it gets quieter and quieter and quieter mm-hmm. until he just stops speaking. And that's when Karenna, her mind flips. It's so quiet that you can actually hear crickets. And then I wrote, wait a minute, crickets also exist on Inara? (laughs) There's crickets there too. But that, there was, this scene was so powerful. And this was the scene that really reminded me of of Jews being sent to the concentration camp. This is when the Holocaust references really hit hit home for me. It was like, gosh, this this is... uh, this is an <laughs> extremely powerful scene <laughs> overall. Mm-hmm. After the scene where the father completely exploits her feelings and her, her relationship with her dad uh, to turn her against her own instincts and her own beliefs, her own love. They execute these young men in the public square. Yeah. And then we go to jumping ahead a little bit. Corinna is shown as a teacher teaching young students. First of all, I got to say, Kate's son is in that scene, Alec Egan. That's, what? Yeah, that what, the boy that was sitting off to her left side, or that boy is is Kate Mulgrew's son. I forgot. No. But Alec, yeah, she has two boys, uh, Kate, Ian and Alec. Uh, Ian's not in the scene, but Alec was uh, the youngest, her youngest son oh my was an extra. God, that basically. kid did look familiar. Okay. Yeah, that oh, was wow. Alec. Um, so yeah, so that Good was eye, a, man. Fun, a fun side note. And then I remember when that happened, she was so excited. And But you see in that scene that she's teaching these young children mm-hmm. the lie. She says yeah. to them, you know, the regressives killed each other uh, because they were so stubborn. How backward they were, you know. They were so backward that they killed each other. And yeah. so they're no more regressives. Now there's just us. And yeah. you kind of go, that's when I was like, oh my God, it's the big She's lie. brainwashed. It's a yeah. big she's, lie. She's, sp- she's spouting or she's, she's sprouting? Sprouting. She's, spr- she's spouting. Is spouting, spouting or sprouting? Spouting and spouting. Spreading. spreading. She's basically just regurgitating what her father said. Lies. You know what I'm saying? Everything, the lies. Yeah. Can I just go back to the execution, the execution yeah. scene of Dathan? Yeah. Um, he's essentially burned at the stake. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was like a, a futuristic version of being burned at the stake. And then right after that, when the crowd starts chanting, you see Karenna join in. Oh, and yeah. what, are, what is she doing? The one arm up, which is definitely a reference to the, you know, the Nazi salute, the, the mm. Zeke Heil, the, the Heil Hitler, sort of a one arm up. Um, so that, that reference, uh, was definitely not lost upon me in that one scene. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the, after the teaching the young children. Yeah, so, well, yeah, Bolana is incredibly affected by this and goes to the mess hall 
and decides uh, that she's got to tell everyone the truth. And in the middle of, of this, um, you know, farewell to our new friends, <laughs> Bolana tells yeah. the truth. The uh, Anarans say that this is, they're, you know, they're offended, they're shocked, that's not mm -hmm. the truth. Torres even accuses the main Anaran of having killed Jorah, that he had mm -hmm. her killed because he knew that she was passing on the truth mm -hmm. and he wanted to suppress the truth and Janeway is Janeway says she can't support Balana's story she doesn't have any proof but she does say you know go speak to the younger Anarns and tell them what you've experienced yeah. which is kind of like that scene in her dream where she was teaching the young children uh the lie the captain's mm -hmm. basically saying go and pass on the truth well I mean Tor Torres asked Janeway she says can I can I go down to the planet to investigate yeah. this, to, to yeah. find out what's going on. And Janeway kind of cites the prime directive. She's saying, we can't really interfere. Torres says, well, wait a minute, we can't, and we can't interfere because Jorah Morell was killed aboard Voyager. The doctor, according to Janeway, could not find any proof of that. But then Janeway sort of feels, you know, Janeway does side with Torres. She goes, yeah. I do believe that your mem those memories are real. Yes. So what you can do is, you know, go talk to the engineers that are still here. They're packing up, right? And that's when she finds Jessen in engineering yep. and convinces her, like, listen, look into this cover-up, ask questions. Yep. And why don't you, I wish you could, you know, really relive these memories. And Jessen's like, yeah, I can make this connection. And she agrees and she does. She via, she, via the psychic palm, the psychic Heisman, um, she gets the memories from Torres, um, which were passed on to her from Jora Morel. And it's uh, the same scene. We go back to the yeah. exact same scene. The intro now scene. Now she wakes up. Justin wakes up in the same shot, the same, you know, chiffon gown, nightgown that Bolana was in when she experienced the memory. And now Justin's mm -hmm. experiencing the same shots and the same blocking. And yep. So the truth will get passed on and hopefully with younger people who are open to hearing the truth, um, the truth will will come out so what's your um what's your theme, theme? yeah my lesson my lesson from this episode is that we need to be tolerant of all people and their beliefs to prevent another genocide from happening mm -hmm. yeah it all started with this lack of accepting the regressives as yeah. part of their culture and with with that yeah. spr sprung from that the all the all the rest of it yeah my theme slightly different but my takeaway my lesson is the old saying the truth will set you free mm. this idea that uh the idea that um you know these memories that Bolana was experiencing were the truth everything else had yeah. been a big lie and so the truth starting to reveal itself will actually set them free and let them uh, heal and mm -hmm. and be a more authentic society and not based yeah. on lies so uh, the only way to learn from the past and to move forward and grow and be authentic is is to be honest and yeah. live with the truth so yeah that's my that's my theme thank you guys uh for tuning in for this week's coverage recap of remember stay tuned next week when we get to recap robbie's first episode as a director oh, yeah. in the history of his directing career, Sacred, Sacred Ground. Ground. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. The beginning of Robbie as we know now oh my happened God. on Sacred that's Ground. Gonna, Can you believe that? This is going to be, be a big episode for me, guys. I'm excited about that one. I'm so excited about that. Okay. And Patreon patrons, please stay tuned for your bonus content. Yeah, we're talking to Lisa right. Klink. 
and yep. the bonus material. We yep. got uh, all kinds of fun stuff. So all kinds thanks of fun patrons stuff. for uh, sticking with us. And for the rest of you, tune in next week. We'll see you for Sacred Ground. <laughs>